0: verse 8 and another angel followed saying Babylon is fallen is fallen that great city why? because because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication It's an interesting phrase, wine of the wrath of her fornication. This morning, we're going to continue a conversation we started and had in Sabbath school about what is the wine of Babylon. What is the wine of Babylon? Because whatever it is, Babylon has fallen because she has made the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. You know, when you want to study a topic out in Scripture, it's good to have a concordance. Either one of those big old books with pages and paper. You know, they still make those these days. (laughs) Or you can look it up on your phone or on the Internet to find all the different places in Scripture where words are used. And it often is helpful to understand a term. You know, wine is used sometimes as a symbol for something else in the Bible. Here are a few places where wine is used metaphorically. Psalm 60, verse 3, you have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of what? Confusion. confusion. here wine is representing confusion. What about in Proverbs 4, 6, 17? They eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of what? Violence. violence, today when we have communion, we're not gonna eat the bread of wickedness and we're not gonna drink the wine of violence, something much different. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a what? A mocker. Wine is, look out, it's a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. That's why we use grape juice. (laughs) If you were wondering, we use grape juice. Intoxicating wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. Wine is also a symbol in the Bible of God's wrath. Jeremiah 25, 15. For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, take this wine cup of what? fury or wrath and other translations from my hand and cause all the nations whom I send you to drink it. Very interesting symbol here. So you can see wine is used metaphorically at times but also the act of drinking a cup is used to represent at times sharing an experience. Look here at the words of Mark chapter 10 38 verse 9 39. But Jesus said to them you do not know what you ask speaking to his disciples who wanted to sit on the left and the right of him. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and to be baptized with a baptism I will be baptized with? And they said, yes, we are able. And he said, yeah, you'll drink the cup. Uh, But these other things, I can't just give them to you like this. And yes, they did drink from the same cup at the Last Supper, but Jesus was talking about something deeper, The disciples were going to suffer and be killed for their faith. Be killed like Jesus was going to be killed. So drinking a cup can also refer to sharing an experience. But as you look at wine in context with Babylon, you see very specifically there are two basic elements for what the wine of Babylon is connected to. We see it connected to fornication or immorality or adultery, unfaithfulness, and let's look at a a reference here. Open up your Bible to Revelation 17. We covered these verses really well this morning, but we're just going to take another look at them. Revelation 17, we'll look at verses 1 through 4 briefly this morning. Parallel passage to Revelation 14, which we just read. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked to me and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with what? With the wine of her fornication. Verse three, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, and having in her hand, what? A golden cup. Remember that. We'll come back to that. Full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So again, there's this end time symbol, Babylon. Babylon. But it has this cup. And in the cup, it says, Our abominations. What's an abomination? It's something that when you see it, you're like, Ah, that's disgusting, that's repulsive. And in its most basic sense, anytime God sees sin, that's how he feels, right? For us, if you see a cockroach, maybe you feel like that's an abomination. Or if there's a mouse in your kitchen, abomination, right? Now, we're thinking spiritually, in spiritual terms here, and we discussed very well in the class in the back this morning how, how we're dealing with spiritual images here. God's people, when they are unfaithful to him, that's an abomination. That is spiritual adultery, spiritual fornication. So the wine that this woman, that this end-time system is pushing on the people leads them to spiritually separate themselves from God. They do that, as we discussed, through false teachings. They do that through a variety of things. But notice in verse 2, it says, the kings of the earth have committed fornication. This is an end-time union of, of church and state that this woman is pushing and urging the inhabitants of the earth to become a part of. Ultimately, those who drink this wine of Babylon receive the mark of the beast, and they worship the beast in his image. Notice also, real quick, uh, Revelation 18. Revelation 18, verse 2. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It has become a dwelling place for what? Demons. Demons. I don't want to be in a dwelling place for demons, do you? I don't want my heart to be a dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for unclean and every hated bird. For the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, that same phrase, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the er merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. We see symbols here of disobedience to God. These false Things Leading people away from God. Unions uh, with church and state and um, living a luxurious life, but a life that's separate from God. And verse 4 says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. You see, God is calling people out of end time delusion, out of end time separation from him. Lest you share in her sins. The cup of Babylon contains sin in its most basic element, and it's sin that separates us from God. Mixed with these sins are false teachings which lead people into sin. Illicit unions with uh, end time joining of church and state. But it all boils down to leaving God, ultimately separating ourselves from God. So that's part of the cup, but there's also... The wine of God's wrath that's also in this cup. That phrase there in Revelation 14:8 is a combining of two concepts: the wine of fornication, uh, unfaithfulness to God, detestable practices, but also the wine of God's wrath. Notice this here, Revelation 16:19. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the what? Fierce. The fierceness. Of his wrath. You see, when the inhabitants of the earth drink in these experiences and separate themselves from God, through all these things we mentioned and, and all that we could talk about if we spent a long time, it leads ultimately to the seven last plagues, which are described as the fierceness of God's wrath. Notice this larger passage in Jeremiah 25. Then it will come to pass, when the seventy years are completed, that I will punish the king of where? Babylon. This is a historical prophecy about long ago Babylon. Babylon and the nation of the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord. I will repay them according to what? Their deeds. deeds. And according to the work of their own hands. You see, the wrath of God upon Babylon really is the justice of God. Repaying them for the things that they had done. It's never more than just, right? And a lot of times we are afraid of wrath and we should be. But wrath is another way of saying God is going to bring justice. But his justice never goes beyond justice like we would be tempted to. Notice the passage continues. For thus says the Lord of, God of Israel to me, take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations whom I send to you to drink it. In other words, I'm going to bring justice. Justice. The nations have been doing wickedly. Babylon has been doing wickedly. They're going to get what they deserve. So we see these two ideas joined together. We see the wine of Babylon includes their sin. The sin that they are promoting in the world. The separation they're promoting in the world. The false teachings. The union of church and state that they're joining us to be a part of. But it also includes those who drink this wine will experience the wine of God's wrath. The justice of God for their sins. I want to look at one last passage. We're keeping this brief this morning. Go back to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 51. The images of Revelation are taken mostly from the Old Testament. You'll see some Familiar ideas here. Jeremiah 51, starting in verse 6. Jeremiah 51, in verse 6. Flee from the midst of where? Babylon. Babylon. Like we saw in Revelation 18. And everyone save his life. God is calling people... Get out of Babylon. Do not be cut off in her iniquity. Here it says in my Bible. Don't be punished because of her sins. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. Babylon was a what? A golden cup in the Lord's hand. We saw that golden cup in Revelation. She's got a golden cup in her hand. Now why is she in God's hand here in verse 7? What we find is God allowed Babylon to punish his people by taking them into captivity, and he allowed Babylon to punish other nations. So in a sense, Babylon was the vehicle through which God was pouring out his justice upon other nations. This golden cup in the Lord's hand that made the earth drunk, the nations drank her wine, therefore the nations are deranged. Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. But notice the the call in our response to Babylon's fall. It's not pointing and laughing. It's not pointing and saying, I told you so. Look Look at how we're called to respond. Wail for her. Be saddened because of what has happened. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. God doesn't want anyone to suffer justice. Amen? And, and ultimately, though we call for justice in our world, we should long for everyone to accept grace and mercy and forgiveness. Verse 9, we would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. We wish everybody would repent and be saved, but not everybody is going to repent and be saved. Forsake her, the verse says, and let us go, everyone, to his own country, for her judgment reaches up to the skies, up to the heavens, and is lifted up to the skies. In the end, the Bible does talk about justice. It does talk about people who will separate themselves from him, people who will follow their own teachings, people who will live in sin, continue in rebellion, But behind that is the heart of a God who's been trying to save everybody since the beginning of time. And that heart of God reaches out to us and says, come out of that. Come out of your separation. Come out of your sin. Come out of your false understandings. Follow me. Accept my mercy and grace and proclaim my mercy and grace to others. So today... Today is about communion. It's about the Lord's Supper. And I want to ask you a question. Which wine do you want to drink today? Do you want to drink the wine of Babylon? Or do you want the wine of the New Covenant? The pure wine of Jesus, the juice that he offers us. Communion today is, in a sense, an opportunity for us, as we drink the juice, as we eat the bread, to remind ourselves who our Lord and Savior is. To remind ourselves that the gospel is serious. And ultimately, those who persist in rebellion, God will have no choice but to offer them justice. But now, there is time and there is opportunity. And so, as we accept the communion service today, we say, Jesus I want to drink your wine. I want to drink your juice. I want to reject the falsehood of Babylon, the falsehood of self-made religion, that I can do it on my own, that I can earn my way to have Any of those falsehoods, Lord, I rely only and solely upon your grace, for it is by grace that we are saved. I want to choose the Lord's cup today. How about you? In just a moment, we're going to separate. Before the Lord's Supper, we, we participate, as he invited us to, in the foot washing service. Many of you have participated in this. We have a room over here for just guys, a room over there in the kindergarten room just for ladies and families in Bellarmine Hall. And if you choose to participate, it's a symbol uh, of a little mini rebaptism or a mini-baptism if you haven't been baptized yet. Jesus washing our sins away, humbling ourselves before one another, So that when we come together to drink the juice and eat the bread, we know, again, we have reaffirmed our commitment to be cleansed by Jesus and we accept those symbols clean and perfect in Him. If you just wish to remain seated in the church today, that's okay too. Let's have a prayer and then we'll separate and come back together. Loving Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you have given us good news the good news of the gospel. We're reminded that life is serious. And ultimately, Lord, even though you don't want to, you will be forced to bring justice for all who reject your grace and mercy. But today, our hearts say yes. We accept. We want to be uh, with your number on that great day when you return so make these symbols meaningful to us today, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you in a little bit.